Welcome to Recognize Your Truth. I am your host, Lisa Williams. This is the podcast that offers motivation and inspiration to act, speak, and think in ways that make a positive impact on your life. Each week, we bring you a message or a guest that offer you tools to live up to your full potential. Today's guest is a special treat, Dan Willis. He is a millennial motivator, keynote speaker, and he has 15 years of international digital marketing experience on three continents with multiple languages. The advice he shares is real practical experience from consulting with major brands like Fox TV, Toyota, and H&M. And he has insights to the power of relationship marketing, video content, and emerging emerging millennial marketplace branding. And he also is uh, featured in the Huffington Post and the Entrepreneur Magazine as a top 100 keynote speaker. So please welcome Dan to Recognize Your Truth. Hey, how's it going? Uh, great. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, we kind of started a conversation offline and I just felt like the need to hit record because it was just so engaging and you motivate millennials and I have two young adult children. I have an 18 year old and a 20 year old and we kind of got down that path of, of talking about what you do to motivate them. So I kind of wanted to find out a little bit more about you and what you do, and we'll just kind of dive right in. Great. So uh, I am a millennial, so when speaking about motivating millennials, I get to wake up every morning and start there. Um, <laughs> but I'm also a father of nine, so I've got nine little Gen Z kids growing up and getting ready to tackle the world. So I'm constantly thinking about that as well, where I group those guys in and go, okay, well, how are we, how are we motivating that next generation to move ahead? And really, I, I spend most of my days now working with people that aren't millennials, showing them how to engage, how to motivate, how to inspire uh, younger generations to get involved in what they've been doing or what they are doing, uh, and really to, to really adopt that generation and embrace them instead of what started to happen in, in tearing millennials down or placing blame on their generation for certain changes in industry and, and really opening some eyes on both sides of the conversation and showing millennials and Gen Z that we need boomers. We need that older generation, that experience and that wisdom, but also showing the wisdom that you need that, that imagination, that energy from the, the millennials and the, and the Gen Z. And when the two of those work together, now you're really moving. Now you've got movement on projects like you've never seen before. So I get to spend my day really crafting communities and showing people the diversity in community from young and old is, is a huge value to business. And, and how do you do that? Because you were mentioning that you work with, um, I guess, like some HRs and some CEOs and some big corporations to, when they're hiring and they're working with millennials and so that they can best use their skill sets. How are you doing that? Give, give me some, some tips and some tricks and ideas of what you're doing. So one of the big ones is, is understanding 
how well equipped we are digitally now. And a lot of HR departments are still using a very similar hiring process to what was used 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So it would be, you call, uh, or you put out that general application, it's got your perfect candidate on it. Then you call back 30 people for a first interview, and then a second interview, and then a third interview, and then a fourth interview. And it, the reality is you look at a millennial generation or a Gen Z generation that's on their smartphone all day, and it, it's immediate. Do you want this job, yes or no? Here, here's who I am, do you want me or not? And that's kind of where they're working from. And so really with HR, it's more about, well, what if you had an active community that your brand was already engaging through its marketing, through its sales, through its, through its community management? What if you had a community that you were already actively engaging in and that was a magnet to the type of people that you wanted to work with? Wouldn't that work better for you than this dry, stale, man, we need to, we need to have this eight-step interview process to find a candidate that we may or may not actually like and go back through this six months from now? Or what if you had an actively engaged community that had built relationships and when you go, you know, guys, we're really excited about those projects that's coming up. We're looking for somebody else that's passionate about pick the project, whatever it is that you're working on. And right away, you're, you're so digitally active with your community that somebody goes, oh, I know somebody or I am that somebody. And bam, right away, you're off and running. And no longer are you tied to this concept of, well, we're looking for somebody to do the job for 30 years. Instead, it's right now. This is the passion and the project we're working on. And this is the piece we need to fit. Is that piece out there? Yes. I think that approach and that shift in industry thought, that process is huge for companies when they're trying to understand, well, how do we, how do we get these millennials that are constantly moving around? How do we tie them down? Well, you don't. You inspire them for a project. And if they continue to fit in the project as you go down the road, great. And if not, then you look for other people that fit those projects and those millennials will move on to other projects that they're passionate about. And I think it's the mindset and the shifting of creating this um, box of what you want an employee to fit in and then looking for that perfect employee to fit in that box. It's rather finding all these available, wonderful, creative people and using their skill set and their strength to your advantage. And, and like you said, you know, when I was growing up, you went to school and you were going to graduate and find a job that was going to be your long-term career. And millennials don't think that way because there's so many ever-evolving and fast-paced moving pieces that they're like, oh, I could learn this project and I could take this skill set and I could take this, I could learn this project and I could take this skill set. And so they just want to use their strengths wherever they're needed or wherever they're valued. Yeah. And I think, I think you nailed it right on the head where uh, before, you know, say 2000, when the internet started being readily adopted, um, job and career were the same thing for the most part. Those two were this very much the same thing. And now career is a very big thing still. It's still, you know, long lasting. We're talking 40, 50, 60 years, maybe even more in the workforce. Um, but job is currently what you're working on. It's no longer tied directly to that career, which for me is really exciting because it opens so many doors to so many different industries where you get great players moving around and doing great things kind of everywhere. Um, and so kind of talking about my kids and then you said you have nine kids. Wow. Nine kids. That's a lot. <laughs> um, that's a gaggle. Um, so we were talking about, you know, my son who's going down the path of going to college, whereas my daughter is still figuring things out right now. And me as a parent, 
getting into that space where it's okay if she doesn't go down the college path. And that was a hard shift for me because that wasn't the way I grew up. And yeah. you telling me like your kids are involved in so many different things. And I love how you are fostering and engaging their, their strengths and their creativity where they are. So, so tell me a little bit about a couple of things that your kids are doing. Yeah, so starting with millennials, it shifted from you needed to have a high school education, preferably a post-secondary education to, well, show me what you've done is really the key of it. And so it, it didn't really negate high school and college, but it was an option, not the only one. So for me, I never finished high school, but I plugged into business right away. I started to learn how it worked, how to coach, how to grow it, how to build it. And that experience was equivalent to a college education. Um, and so that was kind of cool with millennials. Now it's even more interesting with Gen Z where it's, you just need to have digital proof of concept. You need to be able to show online that you are capable of doing something. So uh, my eldest daughter who's 14 wants to be a graphite artist. Her digital proof is her putting out YouTube videos and TikTok videos and constantly showing people the art that she's working on. And that in and of itself is that digital credibility, that diploma that says I'm capable of because I do. Um, and so for us, we homeschool our kids and each one of them has a different education. We still give them that, that core, you need to be able to read, you need to be able to write, you need to be able to do math. But more so, you need to understand which direction you're heading in. I'm not going to force you to go through uh, a post-secondary education to get a, a liberal arts major when you want to be an artist or you want to be a uh, dairy farmer or a horse farmer. So for each of our kids, they do different things. For the one who wants to be an artist, she, she still goes through her high school courses, but she draws five hours a day. That's how she's sharpening that skill. She watches YouTube videos of these amazing artists from all over the world and learns from them on how to improve her craft. My, my second oldest daughter that wants to work as a uh, horse trainer and she wants to work a farm, she spends five hours a day on a dairy farm learning how a farm operates and how animals are treated and how you grow. And for the most part, would that be in a high school curriculum? Probably not. You probably won't find a high school curriculum on agriculture. Uh, but for her, that's going to be much more useful down the road than her learning a quadratic formula or learning how to graph a line. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more because, you know, my daughter, who is uber smart in math and science, but does not want to go to school, she wants to bake and cook, and she could still use those math skills in, in creating, you know, culinary dishes or, you know, some fun, fantastic dessert or whatever. So, again, fostering um, their creativity and meeting them where they're at. And I think for me, it's been so hard to understand and so hard to grasp. And, and I love that you work with your kids and, and even out in the public with meeting them where they're at and teaching others to meet them where they're at. And this is where there's, there's this big nasty word that kind of floats around accountability. This is where accountability has shifted. It used to be with the job and career in your education, that was your box. That's where you fit. And that's, that's kind of where your parents would send you. The promise was you do high school, you do college, you get the job, you work that for 30 years, you've got a wife or a husband, you pump out some kids, you get a dog, then you retire, then you die. That's the promise. That's how it works. And that's just not how it works anymore. But because that's shifted, because that's changed, we still need to find a place of accountability for the younger generation. And that comes in, okay, 
you tell me what you are. Tell me what you want to do. Tell me what you want to be. Okay, you're an artist or you, you want to be a baker. Phenomenal. The accountability then comes in, well, do it. You can't say you're a baker and then go work at McDonald's all day. You need right. to be a baker who's baking. You need to be an artist who's drawing. And that's where we really need to come in in not only embracing people and bringing them into projects that we're working on, but also people that are out there trying to be independent and starting businesses as an entrepreneur is going, if you are going to stake your flag in the ground and you are this, you're a rap artist, you're a musician, you're, a, you're, a, you're the next greatest Thomas Edison inventing everything, whatever it is, you better be doing that every day. And so that element of accountability is there as well. So yes, everybody tends to think of, well, homeschoolers or whatever, they, they get the day to themselves and they lounge in PJs. My 14-year-old up is, is up at 5 a.m. every morning. She, she's grinding away at 5 a.m. while most are still in their bed considering their 9 a.m. commute. So uh, the reality is there's, when you have that vision and that drive of this is who I am, this is what I want to be, then whether you are a boss, whether you are a parent, whether you are a teacher, the accountability that you give them then is show me. Show me daily and show me frequently that that is who you are. Because if you can't do that, then that's not genuinely your passion and you're just kind of milling around doing nothing. And that's not going to help anybody either. Right. And, and, and again, it's meeting them where they're at and, and it's, it's fostering them, encouraging them, um, just letting them flourish with what their God-given talents really, truly are. And I yeah. think, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of think that the shift might be in the future where I don't want to say college is obsolete because that's not ever going to be the case, but it's not going to be the demand that, that we had when I was growing up that you had to go get a college education. Um, like you said, you didn't finish high school and look how successful you are as an entrepreneur. And I think yeah. that word entrepreneur wasn't even something that everybody talked about, you know, 20 years ago. It was just yeah. something so obscure and, oh, you wanted to open maybe like um, a little mom and pop, you know, breakfast place. And that was considered an entrepreneur, a an entrepreneur. Now, I mean, look at you, you're coaching, you're speaking, you're training CEOs and working with corporations. So it's, it has a different meaning today than what it did 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And, and I mean, even 20, 30 years ago, if you were an entrepreneur, you would still go get the MBA from a, a college or a university, right? Cause sure. you need that to be a business person. So yeah, it definitely has evolved. And I'm with you. Like if I go to get heart surgery, uh, I want to know that he didn't just kind of pick that up on the fly. You know, he didn't go to WebMD or a YouTube video to learn how to do that. I, there are fields in academia and there are fields with very specific skilled trades that benefit from having that post-secondary education. I am there 110%. But if you're somebody that's going to be a forklift operator, I don't know that that's going to continue to be where you go. If you're somebody that designs cars or even we see big companies like Microsoft and Google now hiring people that have no college education. And the reason why they do that is they, they hire by skill. So there's people that are 14, 15, 16 that are doing amazing things with coding just because they, they played around with it at home. They've learned it. They've studied it. They have some imagination. They're putting things together. And Microsoft and Google are going, that's really cool what you did. Come do that for us. And they're going, what's the point of us making them go to college first, only to come out and have everything that they learned in the first three years being completely irrelevant, 
because the industry's moved so quickly. And now that they're out, they expect to be treated with a certain standard of experience when in reality, that's not true. They just need to start at the bottom. What if instead we pick up those people at 16, 17 years old before they go to college, have them come into the company, learn our culture, learn who we are, what we're about, what we're passionate about, and teach them the skills that they need for the workplace in the workplace. And it's amazing to see how much more that's thriving and growing industry where ideas that used to be, well, we'd wait until somebody's 25 to really have an idea. Now they're coming out of people that are 16, 17, 18 years old. Like it's just, it's so much more empowerment to, I find the brands themselves when they're willing to adopt that policy of show me what you can do. If you say you can do that, show me. Oh, you can do that. Great. Just come do it then. I don't need you to get a diploma that says you can do it. You just showed me that you're capable of it. I I love what you said about bringing them in and then training them on the workforce and the culture once you bring them in, because you always hear about how the best way to learn a language is immersion. And so putting them in the environment that they need to be in at 15, 16, 17 years old and, and letting them do what they do best, but then you're teaching them and showing them by example of how the culture really works. That's brilliant. Yeah. And it, it's really amazing to see the learning curve as well. Tim Ferriss, who's a guy that a lot of people love, really boils down a lot of the learning that he does where, you know, he's a world tango championship and he's got his, his, his karate championship that he won. And with that, he came to the understanding that 95% of a skill can be learned in a year, year and a half, two years, 95%. That last 5% to be really elite that takes 10 years, that takes 15 years, but you can pick up 95% of a skill in a year and a half, two years, if you're committed and dedicated. And I think that's what these companies have touched on is we can have somebody who's 95% ready to go in a year and a half, and they don't take on 60, 80, $100,000 of debt to get there. That's a win for everybody. <laughs> it's a huge win. Um, okay, so how do you get around companies who pour into bringing somebody on for a project where they're investing in training, they're investing in benefits, they're investing in, you know, it it takes, we don't think as an employee, oh, you know, it costs a lot of money to hire somebody, but it costs a lot of money to bring somebody on board, the onboarding process. And so how do you help companies and corporations and CEOs and HR departments understand the value by spending all that money that they are onboarding an employee? So the culture that you build is also the culture you will attract. There's people that are millennials that worked at Google for 15, 20 years because they fit in that culture and they love it. Now, are there people that work at Google and go somewhere else? Absolutely. That exists as well. But Google understands, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to train everybody as though they were going to stay here. And if they go somewhere else, fine, they're going to find that culture. They're going to find that, uh, that community that fits them. But they also do that with the understanding that, let's say it's, I don't know, there, there's another great company out there like Bing. And somebody at Bing doesn't want to work at Bing anymore. They're looking for a different culture. Well, Bing isn't going to lose out because they're going to have employees coming from somewhere else that somebody invested in. And the employees that Bing invests in are going to go to Google, and that's going to be great. That investment's going to be there. And the employees from Google are going to go somewhere. So what you're really investing in isn't the individual anymore. It's the culture as a whole. And understanding that the companies that try to cling to people, like, oh, we'll train you if you agree to stay. Well, you've already lost that battle. 
Because now what you've done is, no, 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 we're, we're possessive. We, we, we want to own you forever. The reality is you want to help the people that you've got here and now in your company. And when you do that, that makes you very attractive to people that are in companies that are trying to hold on to people. And so this new talent, this, this imagination, this drive, this energy is going to flow to your company because all you want to do is help the people that are there. You look at companies like Boehner Media, where Gary all the time is saying, if you're an employee of mine and you want to go somewhere else, you want to pursue something else, I want to help you do that. Because if this isn't where you want to be, I want you to be where you want to be. You're going to do better for everybody by doing that. You're not going to drag us down every day by showing up and not doing what you love. And you're not going to... You're not going to hinder the world by not being out there doing the thing that you're amazing at. I would rather you go do that. It's going to help everybody out. And so when we've got this mentality of, well, let's equip the people that we've got to be the best that they can be so that they're passionate about what they're doing. And if they're not passionate about what they're doing, let's help them get to where they can go be passionate and then find somebody who's passionate about being here. And that gets so much easier when you embrace that culture and that concept. So I see companies that are very rigid and they're very stern and they're very and age has nothing to do with that because ibm is very forward thinking and they've been around for over 100 years like it it's really a mentality from that executive level down of we want to build a culture that's passionate and if you've got that as your focus that's your drive and that's where you're headed you're not going to mind people plugging in plugging out so long as that passion and vision is forward moving and I've, I've experienced it myself just in my career is, you know, uh, you feel stifled, you feel um, boxed in, um, and you, you just feel like they created this position and they're not, you know, letting me be me. And yep. if you're not a leader who's a visionary and who's a big thinker and who's a big picture person, you, you're not, you're, you're stifling yourself too, because you want to pour into everybody who's with you or around you so that they can grow. And your goal, just like me as a parent, I'm sure just as you as a parent, you want your kids to far succeed whatever success that you've created. And, and I feel that too. And so as an employer or a leader, you should always be thinking, I want these people to succeed me because that's the next generation coming up and you want them to be bigger, better, faster, more empowering. And so the more you pour into them, the more they're going to a pour into others and B be, you know, motivated to work and, and be, you know, compassionate about and have the passion for their job. Yeah. And I think it also comes from a, a real shift in understanding that word success. Um, because yes, I, I would agree as a parent, I want my children to be more successful than I was, but when I define success, I don't want them to have a bigger house and more money and like that, travel the world. Like those aren't the things that I, I used to define success for me. I am now at a point in my career where I wake up four 30 in the morning and I'm excited to get to work every day. I'm passionate to get to my office, to get to work. And it's not a large commute. We're talking six feet, but that six feet is six feet of pure joy at 4.30 in the morning where I get up and I go and I get to engage the community. I get to do the things that I love. And that's what I want for my kids is I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what kind of house you have. I don't care what kind of lifestyle you live. For me, I want you to wake up every morning passionate to go do the thing that you're doing. And if you're not doing that, that's going to be a failure for me. The success is going to come with, I found the thing I love. I do it every day. Good. Great. Awesome. You nailed it. Go do it. And I think you completely nailed it. Um, so for, for me, success growing up, like I said, was 
you go to college, you get a job, you buy the house, you have the kids, you get the dog, you know, you retire. And I don't, my mind has completely shifted over the years of what success looks like because uh, today it's not about how big my house is or how much money I make or, you know, what fancy car I'm driving. Success is taking my passion and pouring into others and sharing my knowledge and my skills and my experience with others. And hopefully based on what I have learned, my skill set, my, you know, walk, my path, my journey, they, I could just help them. If I could even teach or show or encourage or empower one person to change the direction based on some of the mistakes that I've made, it, it's, it's a success. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it can be really scary too, because what you're, what you're doing is saying, well, um, if the only thing that we're going to measure as a level of success is that passion, what if there are people that aren't passionate to do certain big jobs out there? And that really scares industry of, well, what, what if nobody's passionate to put in the work to become a CEO or, or a Supreme Court judge or a president? And I think it's a really, it's one of these shadow fears because there's always going to be that person. Sure. And we've seen it over and over and over again. There always will be that person that wakes up and goes, that's my passion. That's what I want to do. Darned if I know why somebody wants to be the best quilter in the world. But they're out there. There's sure. quilt fanatics out there. There's people that love, I mean, comic books and Marvel and all kinds of stuff like that. Great. And I think that there's enough diversity in six, seven, eight, nine billion people, right? That there's going to be somebody for everything. And when everybody stops doing things that they hate just to get by and starts to pursue passion, not only are those things going to be, those roles going to be fulfilled, they're going to be fulfilled better than they currently are. Because you're not trying to fit squares into circle holes anymore because that's what the job description says. Instead, you've got people that are showing up and going, no, 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 this is how you actually want that job done. And I'm going to blow you out of the water and show you things you never thought were possible. And that in turn will create new opportunities and new possibilities that the next generation is going to fill. I, I love already where um, TikTok for a lot of you that have heard of it are probably like, oh, well, it's, it's kind of like Snapchat. It's a thing that young people are doing or whatever. It's amazing to see in a year how quickly that, that platform has evolved from at first what was really like small vines and comedic sketches. And now there's some serious skills showing up on there artistically uh there's some business podcasts on there to see the 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 asian market how quickly they've adopted it where countries like india and pakistan are just pouring into this thing all kinds of new ideas and new concepts from this generation and a lot of people are going oh those kids with their their mobile app it's like go watch it go take a half hour download the app and watch what's coming out on there if you don't find something that blows you away i will eat my hat there (laughs) the amount of innovation and inspiration and creativity that's pouring out on that platform and how quickly it's matured from a toy to a tool is remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. And and we don't know the platforms that are going to come out in the future. I mean, there's going to be things that are going to continue to blow our mind. I mean, when I first started down my entrepreneur path, Facebook, you know, social media didn't exist. And so everything, all my communication was email um, or, you know, phone calls. 
and text messaging didn't even exist at that point. And so everything was spread by word of mouth. And in this day and age, it's so instant, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people could see what you're doing. And it just gives you this, this, it opens your eyes to a whole new world and you can take your skill set and bring it to anywhere in the country, in in multiple countries across the world, which has never been the case in the past. Yeah. And I love that evolution of communication where you you go back, you know, pre-industrial. So you go back to 1880s before the telegraph, right? Word of mouth was everything. It was absolutely everything. Where do you go to get dinner? Where do you go to buy that? Where do you go to do that? It was your local community and it was word of mouth. If there were two blacksmiths, you went to the blacksmith that had the best reputation by word of mouth. And then we got this mass communication thing and people went, oh, okay, so first we've got the telegraph, then we've got the phone, then we've got the radio, then we've got the TV, then we've got email. And that's kind of where that 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 stopped. Mobile phone, sure, that's part of it. But that's kind of where that stopped. And we during that time, we threw out word of mouth and went, well, no, 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 it's just, it's all about this global direct communication. And now we're at this really amazing time where we went, hold on, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Let's merge the two. Let's take global interaction and throw word of mouth in there with it. And now we've got this social media thing. And I think that's what so many people really struggle with, with social media, is this concept that social media is built on the principle, not that it's a media platform first, which is that mass communication concept. It's built first and foremost on that concept of it's social. It's a community. Word of mouth is the core of how this works. And despite what a lot of big companies would have you think, where pay-per-click ads or or Facebook marketing or, or story marketing, whatever... Word of mouth marketing is so much more effective, which is why we see conversations around influencer marketing exploding. Because the reality is the better digital relationships that people have built now, the easier business is gonna be for you. Why spend all this money on and pour into these massive campaigns when you can reach out to a single person that's got a dedicated community that loves who they are, loves what they do, and say, listen, our brand also loves that thing. Can we work together? Bam. There's no value on that relationship. Yeah. That community is worth so much more. And so that's what's really exciting for me here is, uh, you know, six months ago on Twitter, uh, when I really doubled down and started focusing on that because I saw how much conversation was happening, uh, to, to say that, you know, six months later, I'd be speaking all over the world. I'd be opening Gary Vee's podcast for him. I'd be making connections with big names like Winnie Sun or, or Carlos Gill and talking to people that, you know, uh, six months ago would have been these stars on a billboard for me. And it's like, well, that took nothing. That took just having conversations with people every day and sharing your passion. How hard, like there's not an industry in the world where if you showcase your passion every day and engage actively with the community in conversation that anybody is out of reach. Right. Right. It's an amazing thing. It, it is. And, and, and in launching my podcast and, and just getting on, you know, on the bandwagon and per se, um, I have just in the short time that I've launched my podcast, which has only been, um, I'm on episode seven today. So it's only been like, you know, a few short weeks, um, just the explosion of connections. And I mean, I'm talking to you, just the amount of people that I have met with, connected with, communicated with, resourced with, um, you know, right there in itself. And that's just in a four week time period has been an explosion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. 
at people, people are blown away with how community works sometimes, but it, literally it's, it's like you show up to a conference every day. Right. Except it's online. And honestly, there are booths everywhere that you can go visit. There's people that you can have direct conversations with. And anybody that's been to a business conference, you know what that's like. You show up ready to connect and build new relationships. If you do that every day and you're putting out content with that aim of how can I give something to this conference that's around me that's going to be of value that people are going to use and need and love? And then how can I have conversations with people about those similar passions? It's amazing how quickly you can blow up from, well, I decided today because we listened to this podcast that I want to go be the greatest chocolate maker in the world. And that's what I'm going to do from now on. I'm going to quit my accountant job and I'm going to go be a chocolatier. Great. Good on you. Because the reality is if you start to do that every day, you are going to find very quickly, there are thousands, if not tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that share your passion and are going to want to come alongside. And then even more than that, there's millions that love to eat chocolate and you're going to be set. So like you, you found your community, you know, your passion, you want to provide value. And that's all that you do. That is a business model is super simple, but that's all it takes. It, it, you're, you're right. And it's just consistently showing up. And I've learned by trial and error, by baptism, by fire, by all these failures, you know, you think you put one thing out there and you just ghost for a couple of days and then you put another thing out there that you have to show up consistently and you have to be consistent with great content. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even great content is flexible. Uh, for me, I, so the rule that I give everybody, every company that I work with, I hold it for myself too, is the rule of one. And the rule of one is this, create a piece of content. And if that piece of content provides value to one human being, okay, one person, that content was a valuable piece of content. Forget about virality, forget about, well, it didn't get a million views or it didn't get a hundred thousand read, like scrap that. Did you help one person? Yes. Great. That was good content. That was great content. Now go create more of it. And the amazing thing is when you start to have that focus and you shift off of, well, I'm going to copycat every viral piece of content out there to try to get a hit. Scrap that. Because you're going to constantly be struggling against algorithms and other people trying to mimic and copycat. And it's not going to be you. And the community is going to notice that, that it's disingenuous. Whereas if you focus on just one person over and over and over again, all of a sudden you're building a community. And there is a massive tipping point. Once you get a thousand people that know who you are, know what your passion is, then it just like, bam, to the moon. You skyrocket. So what if that means three years of your life? What if you only help one person a day for three years? Are you willing to put in that commitment? If it's your passion, yes. If you're a square peg in a round hole, the answer is going to be no. I don't want to be consistently doing mundane tasks for three years in order to achieve some level of success. If it's your passion, then you better damn well wake up every day and provide value to one person for the next three years. It may not take that long. It may take six months. It may take four months. You may nail it. There's that young lady who started a YouTube channel, her first video, multi-millions of views. And all it was was her saying, here I am. I live in a van. I drive around the country. I've got a snake. <laughs> right? This, this is not the proper YouTube model to create a video for success. She was just herself. And right. everybody else that went, I resonate with that. That's my community. That's my person. Plugged in. Loved it. She's there. And it's like, well, that, that's it. That's all it takes. Just be you. Other people like you will find you. 
And I think that is the key to everything is just being authentic and being real and genuine. And I think that that's what the world is looking for. That's what social media is looking for. That's what employees are looking for. Employers, um, relationships, friendships, everything is just be you. And, and the beautiful part about that is it's the easier of the two options, right? <laughs> right. If somebody says to me, I want you to be Dan Willis. Okay. Like that, that's easy. Whatever I do is Dan Willis. Right. But if somebody says to me, well, I, I want you to be uh, Barack Obama. Great. That's going to be a lot more difficult. There are certain criteria that I just can't meet in that. It's going to be a constant struggle for me to try to be somebody that I'm not. So this is one of those rare instances where the industry has shifted to a place that isn't out of access. It's actually more accessible than it's ever been. And it's easier than it's ever been. All you have to do is figure out, and this is where the hard part is for all the millennials, Gen Zs, even boomers that are moving out of the workforce and looking at what's next. If you don't know who you are, that's the hard part. That's where you've got to struggle. You have to define yourself. Who are you? What's your passion? What's your community? Once you've got those though, sky's the limit. And, sky's the limit. you know, that is so key Dan is knowing who you are and, and you're, when I say knowing who you are, and I'm, I know you probably mean this too. It's not, I'm a dad, I'm, um, you know, uh, a marketer, I'm, I'm, you know, a, a sister. It's what your characteristics are and using those characteristics to your best advantage. You know, like I, I do disc profiling, which is a behavioral analysis and yeah. Knowing, you know, I'm results oriented, I'm driven, um, I also love building relationships. And so knowing those things, I could focus on those and build those strengths. Yeah, absolutely. And it, any given day, I don't know what the day is going to bring. It's amazing to see when you show up in a community, it's like, oh, I, I could have 10 different jobs today. Who knows what's going to come? But again, it all fits the personality. So whatever does come, okay, let's just roll with it. This isn't going to be a difficult thing because here it is. And all that they're asking me to be is me. And all I'm expecting from them is for them to be them. And the, the pieces are just going to fit time after time after time. Um, all right, Dan, I want to acknowledge you for a couple of things. First of all, your passion and your enthusiasm. Um, and also the fact that you have these nine kids and that you want to foster their creativity and, meet them where they're at. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the show to me with me today. I had an absolute blast. It was great to be number seven. I can't wait to see what other podcasts you put in. <laughs> okay. So tell us where we can find you and I'll put everything in the show notes as well. Great. So, uh, you can find me on my website, millennialmotivator.ca. I am a Canadian, so it's got that CA moniker, uh, and over on Twitter. And I make a point that if you comment, you know, I, I was listening to Lisa Williams' podcast. I heard you. If you tag me on that, I will give you a video reply, okay? Anybody that tags me in a comment, I make the effort to give you a video reply on Twitter. It won't be some copy-paste batch video. It will be specifically to you. And if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, any ideas from the podcast, definitely leave them in the comments on the podcast. But throw them out on Twitter too, and I'd be more than happy to drop you a video reply. Awesome, Dan. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Ah, have a great day. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Recognize Your Truth. Have a blessed day. Make sure you follow Dan 
And if you like this podcast, I would so appreciate it if you would rate it and review it as well as share it. The music is Genuine by Julio Ortiz.